Welcome back, beautiful people. So if you have made it to the second episode, I appreciate you and I love you and I can't tell you how much that means to me. I have now had more than 24 hours to prepare for this second time around. So hopefully it's only up from here. With that, I am trying to put some feelers out for possible guests, topics, anything. So if you want to hear about something, you want to hear from someone, please let me know. I have basically no listeners. So please know that I am in no position to ignore requests. <laughs> if you are somebody that makes some progress towards your goals and then finds yourself backtracking right as you're getting somewhere, this is for you. I'm going to go through self-sabotage a little bit and then some step-by-steps and I want you to know that this is going to be a little bit different for everybody. Generally, we can put a grain of salt in our drink, we can dive in, and I think that these will apply for a lot of people. So I'm not going to drag this on any further. Let's start by talking about self-sabotage, the nature of it. Then we'll dive into the tips and the tricks that you can implement like within the next 24 hours to get your shit together. So the first thing that I want to clarify is that I don't actually think people self-sabotage themselves in the generally accepted sense that we're actively working against ourselves for whatever the reason may be. And I'll get to the strategies that make me believe this in just a second. This is controversial. A lot of people with a lot more doctorates than I have have a lot to say about the topic. And some will believe that it exists because we feel we don't deserve the results we're after. Some experts will say, it's a lack of planning and it's not truly a priority for you if, if you find yourself sabotaging. Some people dismiss the idea altogether and they'll tell you, you know, that woo-woo shit about how you are right where you are supposed to be and self-sabotage is just part of the journey and all of that good stuff. And those people are wonderful. They're probably much happier than I am, so no shade there. Then you have the people that just make it out to be that you should be grateful that you're not dying or starving or whatever. And a little side note that you should avoid those people like the plague. People that constantly bring up who has it worse than you when you're just trying to address something, block them. You don't need them in your life. I have zero doctoral notoriety. I have a psych minor, which is like basically the same thing, right? I don't believe we sabotage ourselves for those reasons. And I think they play into it. I think that maybe sometimes those could be a complete reason. But for most, I believe it's just some lingering beliefs about ourselves mixed in with never having been under certain conditions, mixed in with life happens and shit happens. Here is my kind of first example. When you have not been home all day and you've had a really long day, you've been out of your comfort zone for so long and you're like going to explode if one more person asks you about like some surface level shit that you don't care about. That's what it's like after we've been doing hard shit for too long. That's just a more acute example. So the end of a really hard work day that, oh my God, nothing is going to fix how I feel right now except climbing into my bed under a blanket and like binge watching reality TV or whatever your thing is. That is the metaphor for you've been on a track working towards a goal. 
you've been doing hard shit for long enough that you're a little bit drained. When I see somebody quote unquote self-sabotage, it's never when things are great and not stressful and life is, you know, like peachy keen. It's always at the end of that metaphorical work day. When we are done and then we are presented with an option to do the hard thing, it's much harder to follow through. Second example, you're a mom, you're a dog mom, you're a mom to yourself, <laughs> whatever. You got less than an hour of sleep and then you worked a full day. You forgot your lunch on the counter at home. You got McDonald's because you're over this shit by lunch. You're hungry. And then you sort of identify that as completely ruining every other thing that you have done to work towards your goal. Now, just saying this, it's obvious that that one meal hasn't ruined everything. We can objectively say that. However, then when it comes to ourselves, maybe you kind of think about it a little bit more and you're like, yeah, I think I would sort of feel that way and do the same thing. Obviously, at the end of the day, you're still tired. You already feel like you've wrecked your plan. So you dig yourself just a little bit deeper. You order takeout for dinner. You do whatever. And those little things where you are judging yourself and then taking further action farther away from your goal, it's all of a sudden been six months and the elliptical you bought is purely serving as a place to put clothes that weren't quite dirty enough for the wash, but weren't quite clean enough to get put away. That is unbelievably relatable for me. I assume it may be for some of you. We have all done this. We have massively overestimated how bad the damage we have done is and what it will take to come back from that damage. If we can think about this logically, of course, going to McDonald's for lunch and not getting enough sleep, is that the greatest thing? Is that gonna project you towards your goals in a crazy way? Of course not. I'm not saying it is. What I am saying is that if this metaphorical you gets right back on track and you eat a good dinner that makes you feel good and you get a great night of sleep, are you even really going to see the effects from that day? Likely not, long-term especially. I don't think we self-sabotage. I think we get tired and we have other shit going on. Then I think we don't get back on track because we've massively overestimated how bad things are. I try not to speak in absolutes, but I'd say this is a lot of what I see. The two things that happen. One, the initial oh shit moment. You know, you forget your lunch, you decide to get McDonald's. Like, life happens things get stressful. The first thing isn't actually ever the reason that things get really screwed up or that we don't reach our goals or that we lose all our progress. And with that, I present to you the second reason. And the second reason is so detrimental because we don't just redirect after reason one. We spin our wheels and we let these things consume us. And that is when we begin to, oh, I will start again Monday. I will do X. I will do Y. I will do Z. We do this dumb ass thing in our heads that we swear that Monday is the day of vegetables and starting over. And maybe you even sprinkle in that you're going to start meditating or something else, even though you've never sat still in your entire life. I digress. We ignore the fact that this is actually the 798th time that we've said this to ourselves 
and we truly believe it. We really genuinely think that if we just kind of screw over the rest of our weekend or the rest of the week or whatever it is, that once we get back on track, oh, things are going to change. It sounds crazy saying it out loud, but it really is what happens. And I don't really want to take away from how real that feels. I do want to give you strategies to avoid having to start over Monday all the time. So the first most helpful thing that you can do is recognize when shit may or may not hit the fan. (laughs) If Fridays at work are always just a tornado of bullshit, it's probably not going to change just because you started a new wellness regimen. And if we can recognize those cyclical times that we are tending to fall off the wagon, we can prepare for it and we're already in a better spot than when we started. So obviously you cannot plan for every single thing. That's why it's called the unplanned. We cannot prepare for every single life situation ever. It just doesn't work that way. However, we can prepare for things that eh, could tend to go wrong. So the first one, a lot of people now will kind of tell you that meal prep is the answer and meal prep solves everything. And I think that for a lot of people, meal prep is amazing. However, I'm also not a person that believes that you have to meal prep for every single meal you eat and that you should just absolutely drown in Tupperware every single Sunday and have these crazy, crazy refrigerators just stacked with meals. I think that's amazing for some people, but for other people who are looking in, I think it can be a really high barrier to entry. Like if you think you have to spend all of Sunday meal prepping, you're likely not going to do that if it seems intimidating. What we can do instead is we can prep for the most likely time that that meal will come in handy. So say it is Fridays. If every Friday you're like, yeah, like I'm going to eat a salad at home and then you always end up getting takeout, maybe we take half of Wednesday night's dinner and we put it in Tupperware and we save it for Friday. And even if it doesn't work every single time, every single time it does is a win. And that's progress. These things don't have to be absolutely massive. We just have to make small adjustments that make it just a little bit easier. The other aspect to this is that it actually has to be something that you want to eat. Kind of picture the situation in which you're completely throwing in the towel. If you are just about ready to order the entire drive-thru, you're probably not going to be absolutely thrilled in that moment for plain chicken and broccoli, and you're probably not going to tolerate it nearly as well as you did earlier in the week. So you have to know that this is a time for compromise. So if you can make something that's just a little bit more fun than usual, but it's a little bit more aligned with your goals than you know the drive-thru meal would have been, you've won. And if you can do this every Friday for a year, Imagine the amount of calories and stomach aches and start again Mondays that you will not have had. That adds up to a tremendous amount. Now, say that it's a lost cause. You told yourself that Friday would be fine and when it shockingly was not, again, you drowned in your 200 unread emails and a Big Mac, a large fry. It happens to the best of us, right? It's not always going to be completely preventable. The problem now is not completely avoiding it because we've already kind of gotten there. The next step is now to avoid the cycle. We're going to go through some brief psychology stuff, and I will aim to keep this very short and sweet, but I promise you it ties in. 
So if you are a person that really struggles with this, like this is a daily fucking grind for you. And it's not to a point where you're eating a Big Mac once in a while. It is affecting people around you. It is affecting you. It is, you know, becoming detrimental to your life. This is not the podcast that is going to fix that. You may need much more help than you've so far allowed yourself to get. And, you know, 12-step programs and therapy and all of these different things have been deemed incredibly effective. And it's incredibly worth it to not have to live the rest of your life being pissed off at yourself. If you're on a less severe path, but this is a pattern that isn't new, this is where we can dig a little bit. When we're kids, we internalize everything because our brains are mush, (laughs) essentially. And we assume every adult is a rational person, which is hilarious the older you get. This is the assumption. And the other assumption because of that is that if adults treat us like shit, we assume that they are right for treating us like shit. And we rely on them for everything else. So why would we not rely on them and their reactions to tell us if we're in or out of line? Let's say your mom is like a crazy dieter. And this is a really, really common one. She constantly talked about eating as little as possible. She, you know, maybe directed it even at you. And she commented on every bite you took and every time you gained a pound, even though you're like eight and still growing. Like there's this theme, right? As you grow up. And these are her beliefs and she's internalized them. And maybe they're even from her own mom as well. And this is something that she never addressed for herself. And it then gets passed to you. So your belief is now that the adult is correct and that you are indeed eating too much and you're weighing too much and that you have to do something about it. And so you do or you try and you may grow up as a cereal dieter and you're never eating enough and you're constantly yo-yoing and you're just in a war with your mom's beliefs versus your body, which is evolutionarily obviously trying to get you to eat enough to survive. If your self-sabotage is of this nature, where it's an internalized belief, you are not likely to stop this cycle completely until you undo the way of thinking of which it originated from. And that takes a lot of fucking work. If you think about what you're saying to yourself on a daily basis, it can be a really good gauge of how much of this internalized belief is really taking over actually say the things that you say to yourself out loud. If you sound like a complete asshole, like you would never speak to someone else this way, there's an issue. Think about it as maybe your partner. I find that that can really resonate. I hope (laughs) that if your partner came home after having a terrible day and they were really upset and just felt like kind of the world was against them, that you wouldn't turn around and tell them that it's all their fault and they deserve it. But yet we do that to ourselves. That is horrific if we think about it. We have to spend all day with ourselves. I hope to God that you would not spend all day with someone that spoke to you that way if it was elsewhere. If it's affirmations, if it's journaling, if it's therapy, if it's writing it down, you absolutely have to catch these thoughts and address them as if somebody else said it. And again, we do not deal or entertain people that are assholes. So you should not allow yourself to be that asshole within your life. 
after you have kind of at least began to identify the beliefs that you hold about yourself, we can start to strategize a little bit more and expect them to be at least a little bit more effective. Grab a pen and paper, we're about to get your shit together in more so the tips and tricks kind of way. First, obviously we already touched on preparing for the unplanned. However, you cannot prepare for everything. So let's go under the assumption that your shit is at least moderately together and you have some beef jerky in your bag for emergencies and all that good stuff. First, you should know your options at a variety of places. For most of you, this is going to be somewhat nutrition related and for your health goals. So this applies to a lot. If you know that there's like a salad you like from McDonald's that fits your macros and is on your plan and it's a lot easier to grab that when you're running late than to go home and make a full dinner and then try to make it to wherever the hell you're late from. (laughs) Do some research, literally take like 10 minutes, Google the menu and the nutrition facts of the places around you the most frequently, find some options that sound good and align you with your goals and done. Now you have backup plans in place. So the next one is to look for patterns. And we briefly touched on this. So is this every Friday? Is it maybe it's every Saturday? If this is something that is like clockwork, you have to take some ownership and fix it. And this is the tough love portion of the show, (laughs) I guess. Don't make excuses, fix it. And like if you have a meeting every single Friday that sends you over the edge and it's within that meeting that you decide that you no longer give a shit about your goals, that's an issue. And you should be able to identify that. Avoid the meeting. Make it an email if you can. Call out sick for a week and figure it out then. We do not all, for the most part, have control about 100% of our day. But most of us have control for at least a decent amount of it. And if we can spend less time pissed off by other people, we can then change other things and use that energy for better for ourselves. So now that you have backup plans on every corner, you fix your bullshit schedule and you vowed to never meet with that annoying ass coworker ever again, but you still find yourself not really doing the right things. At this point, we can look at one of two things that is probably happening. The first is that your limiting beliefs are so ingrained that you may need help undoing them. And there are professional parent undoers for a reason. Find one. If you have the resources that you can meet with someone one-on-one, do it. If you do not, follow a bunch of them on social media. Look at their blogs. A lot of them put out free, not only content, but also like workbooks, PDFs, things like that. Yes, it is a little bit more work than just being able to pay for therapy. However, these resources are out there. And if you're taking responsibility that you want to fix your mindset, you should be doing this work. And then we have the other end, which the second most likely cause of not genuinely giving a shit is just not genuinely giving a shit. (laughs) And this is where you can start asking yourself why you want this goal. This is common if you find that you feel guilty for not doing what you plan to do, but you're also like not heartbroken over it. And it's sort of like, "Eh, I'll try again later. If there's a lot less emotion attached to it, you just may not care. And the thing is, it is totally okay to not care. If you kind of find out that this is not something that you're even interested in achieving or doing or whatever, 
you just made a bunch of room, saved yourself a bunch of stress, and saved yourself a bunch of energy that you can now put towards something you do give a shit about. And with that, if you can remember one thing from this insane ramble about screwing yourself over, let it be this. You have a very limited amount of fucks to give out throughout the day. And it's honestly a lot less than you probably even think. Do not go giving your fucks out to whoever asks for one. You need a fuck budget. You do not just go handing out $100 bills to everyone. You should not be doing the same with your time, energy, and stress. We need to save all of that for the things that actually matter the most to us. And spoiler alert, if you think that that is more than three or four things, you are wrong. (laughs) You don't have 20 priorities. You're not the goddamn president and you really need to narrow it down. If you are chasing 10 different rabbits, you are going to catch zero of them. And I truly, truly believe this. If you don't believe me and you're like, Heather, I have 48 priorities and you're wrong. Go read the book Essentialism, start this podcast over, grab a pen and paper and start taking notes again. Because it is impossible to care that much about that many things. If we are aiming to seriously, seriously succeed in any area of our life, we cannot have a million other areas of our life drawing on our energy. Figuring this out for myself was one of the most influential and sort of turning point moments that I've had in my entire life journey. And granted, I've been on this earth for 25 years. I'm not Buddha. Like, I get it. But I have gone through a lot of struggle and times where I was really lost and defining my priorities has been just monumental. I no longer say yes to anything that does not benefit my priorities. And is that a little bit selfish? Yes, absolutely. However, now that I've learned that I can do that and that is my new baseline, I can add things in where they're appropriate. I care about my family. I care about my training. I care about my career. And I care about my mental health. If something is presented to me, it's not going to help any of those things. I then evaluate if I have extra time. And if I do not, that thing does not happen. You can narrow it down and then adjust accordingly. However, you can't do the opposite. You can't try to whittle it down, try this, try that. Oh no, now you've added another priority. It has to be definitive and it has to be a hard boundary that you begin to draw. You will find that you have so much more to give to the things that you genuinely care about if you're not entertaining the annoying dude that texts you at two in the morning. (laughs) If this helped you even a little bit, and you could leave a review and a rating or share this, I would appreciate it more than you know. You can find me on Instagram at hmaywalsh. And until next time, promise me to not take this shit so seriously. Bye, guys.